The new Super Beats Heart Chews Advanced is now supercharged with CoQ10. Support your healthy CoQ10 levels and blood pressure with two chews a day. Visit RadioBeatsBeets.com and save 15% with promo code DEAL. I started off just writing resumes for other people. And as I was doing that, I was also designing them because I had seen some really cool resume designs that inspired me. And I thought, well, I should do, you know, I have an eye for this. I can, I can do this myself. So as I designed different resumes, I said, well, why don't I turn these into templates so that I can put them up on my website for people who don't necessarily need a resume writer and want to do it themselves. I can put some prompts in there and basically tell people what to write, where to write it. And then, you know, for a low cost, they can download it and do it themselves. Hello, 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 everyone. Happy Tuesday. So glad to have you here with me today. Because let me tell you, this one is going to be one of the best tips I can possibly offer to all of my healthcare providers out there. This is a little more specific to my nurses and my nurse practitioners. However, if you're in the healthcare field or in the healthcare realm, I really think everyone could get something out of this episode today. So today we're going to welcome on Amanda, nurse practitioner and resume expert. She is an ERNP and also an entrepreneur. Today we're going to be going all over you guys. We're going to be talking about becoming an ED nurse practitioner, how she did it, her journey, and also helping nurses brand themselves to land that job. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Tori Meskin, and I am the founder of the Nurse Tori Selfie Show, a podcast and platform dedicated to all of the amazing things going on here in the healthcare space. We're really doing this taking one selfie at a time, you guys. And I have a quick story for you before we jump into this and probably the reason why I wanted to get Amanda on here today. So back when I started as a new grad NICU nurse in 2013, there were actually hiring freezes pretty much nationwide. There were very limited new grad programs, limited Versant programs. Hospitals were on hold with hiring anybody at that time. So I landed my job about eight months into applying, started as a new grad, And six months into my career as a new nurse, my organization went through a house-wide layoff from the top down, you guys. Honestly, no one was safe. Uh, We had directors cut. We had managers cut. And let me just tell you how this played out. So one shift, I was a night shift nurse, and I was getting a report from a day shift nurse. And one of our managers walks up to me and this nurse. And I remember my heart was just in my throat. And I knew one of us was going to lose our job. It was and I was afraid because I was a new nurse, right? I was six months in I had limited experience you know, why would they need me right now? I was I was expendable. Okay. So we're in the middle of report. And she looks at the day shift nurse and goes, nurse, this is your last shift. When you're done, I need you to clock out on time and come collect your last check. And to give you a little background about that particular nurse, she had worked for the organization for 30 years. And I just thought to myself at that moment, if this particular nurse of 30 years is that expendable to the organization, then I really need to be smart 
and manage the career that I want to. And one of those ways nowadays, you guys, is to really brand yourself. Keep that resume spruced up and create the opportunities for yourself. And how do you do that? How do you stand out in a field where we're honestly all really trained to be so similar? Well, lucky you, I have the answer with me here today. So you're gonna be hearing from Amanda. She is a mom of three and a Yale-trained ER nurse practitioner. Her passion is teaching nurses and nurse practitioners how to find and land their dream job so they can be professionally and personally fulfilled. She has so many amazing resources to offer you guys, including resume templates, courses, even custom services. She has uh, even free resources and a masterclass. So today I'm really excited to bring on Amanda. And if you guys stick around till the end of the show, we have something great for all of the Selfie Podcast listeners. So without further ado, let's dive in. Okay, so first things first, how are you holding up (laughs) with everything going on? I am holding up okay. Um, I've been in the house for about four months with (laughs) three kids, four and under, and a husband and a cat and a dog. So you can only imagine. Um, But, you know, to flip that around, like we are safe at home. I keep trying to tell myself like, yeah, we're we're safe, you know, so yeah. So I am very fascinated by journeys. I was really excited when you and I hooked up because I feel like you have so many amazing things to offer. And I'm personally really, really fascinated by people's backgrounds, why they choose what to do. So let's dive into your background. Let's let's hear the spiel about where you started as a nurse and things like that. Sure. So I'm a little of a non-traditional nurse practitioner. So I actually started... Um, I went to school and got a non-medical, non-nursing undergraduate degree in violin performance and Italian literature. And in my senior year of college, I had the opportunity to really re-examine what I wanted to do with my whole life. And that's when I made the pivot decision that I wanted to be an NP. So I actually knew from the very beginning of my nursing journey that NP was my destination. So I applied to direct entry master's programs. Um, and that's kind of where my where my professional journey started. That's awesome. So, I mean, just kind of like highlight on that. What made you know that you wanted to be an NP? Was there like a moment where you're like, I just, what was the goal for you? Yeah, so I was actually studying abroad in Italy um, my junior year. And it was the first time in my life that I had kind of stepped outside of the, of what was expected of me, I guess. Um, So I was in college, I was in a different country. And I really had the opportunity to zoom out and and see what I really wanted from my life. And what I realized was that while I had spent the last how many years kind of honing my, my hobbies, what I really felt my purpose was with my life was something of service. So that's when I really started to examine, well, if I want to be of service to others in my career, what does that look like? And my mom is a nurse. Um, She always told me never to become a nurse. So I had this (laughs) in my head that, you know, I, I couldn't be a nurse. And I had, you know, this limiting belief that I was bad at science, uh, but I really wanted to be in the medical field. So I started doing some research and I found all these programs that were specifically designed for people with non-nursing backgrounds to direct right into the path to become an NP. And I kind of took that as the sign of this type of program being designed for exactly someone like me. 
So I actually want to touch on that. How common are these programs now? So uh, they are still fairly common. There's definitely a lot of accelerated BSN programs for non-nurses, but there are still the accelerated MSN programs for NPs are usually in person at brick and mortar schools. Like I moved to a new state. Everyone in my cohort was full time who most of them moved across the country to go to this program. Um, So it's definitely more of a full time intensive program as opposed to the programs that are designed for nurses who are working. That's awesome. Yeah, that helps actually kind of clear up the dynamic because I always was curious how we spoke with um, an NNP earlier on previous episodes, and she was a direct NNP. And so it was interesting to hear her dynamics and like how she started. And I like I like hearing and I'm here for all of the different journeys. Do you feel like you were always good in school? Was this something you were always good at? Yes, I have always been kind of high achiever, perfectionist, teacher's pet, academically inclined, you know, to, to a fault. Like I didn't have a a lot of other, (laughs) (laughs) you know, I was not good at sports. I was, you know, I was that nerd who was in, you know, math club and played the violin in the orchestra. So I was not the most kind of popular person, I guess. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Well, look at you now, girl. Oh, hey, (laughs) where did you attend school? Um, So I did my undergrad, my (laughs) non-nursing education at University of Connecticut, and I did my master's at Yale. Okay. And then give me some specifics, some step-by-step journey, because I'm curious, like, how did you navigate this? Like, how did you know where you wanted to go? You know, give us a little the behind the scenes, the deets. Yeah. So when I decided to apply, it was my senior year in college. I applied to five of these programs. I knew I wanted to do women's health. Um, so I applied to all programs that were either a dual program with women's health and adult um, or just standalone women's health programs. And I knew I wanted to stay on the East Coast in the Northeast. So I applied to two programs in New York, one in Connecticut, one in Boston. um, And I don't remember the last one. So I I got into Yale and Columbia uh, and all the others. No big deal. I'm (laughs) like, okay. (laughs) Those are my, you know, those were the schools I was really excited, you know, to potentially attend. So that's what got you going. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Awesome. So that, um, so I decided between the two. So I went on campus tours. I always had this very romantic idea about New York city. Um, and it's funny because I live outside of New York city now, but, um, when I was there and I toured Columbia, I, I realized like, I don't want to live in the city. I, while I like the city, it's not, I couldn't live like that sex in the city lifestyle that I saw on TV. <laughs> <laughs> Very um, romanticized. Right, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Um, so honestly, that was one of my big deciding factors to go to Yale. And I just generally got a, a better vibe when I um, met yeah. with the faculty there. And I'm kind of an intuitive person. So I went with my gut on that one. And I think it was, well, I'm sure Columbia is fantastic. Yale served me very well. Did you always know you wanted to go into emergency medicine? Like what drew you into that specific field? Because I'm fascinated by this because I don't know much about NP um, emergency med. So this is really cool. Yeah. So so now you can actually go to school and become an emergency nurse practitioner. And now there is a certifying exam. Um, but back when I was in school, that did not exist. And And I did a dual program in adult and women's health because I've always been really in love with reproductive health and kind of 
social justice and all these kind of topics that related really well to women's health. And so I thought that I was going to go to school. I was going to graduate. I was going to work at Planned Parenthood and like work my way up within that organization. Mm -hmm. That was like my vision. Um, Mm -hmm. When I graduated though, that's not where the jobs were. Um, So I go figure. Yeah. So I also had an adult certification. So I really went with that and it took me a couple tries Um, a couple jobs to figure out what I liked. And I started out in the outpatient world. I worked a job in college health, and then I did an interventional pain management job. Um, And I didn't like the outpatient life. I didn't like the routine. Mm. I didn't like, you know, having a schedule of patients that I knew were waiting (laughs) for me. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, The dynamics are, it's important to know that because I think that's something we don't talk about a a lot, right? Like is primary care and that kind of thing. It's a very different kind of flow. Definitely. And Mm -hmm. um, while many of my patients were great, like what I really liked about emergency medicine and and what happened was I picked up a per diem job because I needed to pay off my loans. So that's kind of how I started in emergency. And what I ended up really liking is not only the acuity and the, you know, the lack of predictability of what was going on every day, but the fact that I didn't have to take my job home with me, you know, like I could set a really clear boundary of, okay, when I walk past these doors, work stays at work and it's not going to come with me and I'm not going to even think about it until I arrive for my next shift. Um, And for me, it was really important to have that type of boundary because I tend to carry a lot of um, emotions with me and, you know, I'm very empathetic and um, I felt that way, like thinking about my outpatients, you know, when it wasn't work time and thinking about notes and plans and that type of stuff, it just didn't serve me very well. Um, so that was part of why emergency was so attractive. And I decided to then switch to that full time. What did your early career days look like? Sort of like the ups and the downs, like going into kind of detail of of the beginning days of being an MP. Yeah. So my very first job, I worked at a student health center at a university, which was actually, it ended up being a perfect first job because it was very low acuity. Everyone was very healthy. It was a lot of urgent care complaints. And it was in a department that had multiple nurse practitioners and multiple physicians. So I had a lot of support. I had a lot of on-the-job training. There wasn't a ton of pressure of, you know, you need to produce, you need to be seeing four patients an hour by your second week. There was, you know, none of Mm -hmm. that pressure. They really, you know, I think they started me with maybe one patient an hour until I was comfortable seeing two patients an hour. And then we went up from there. Um, So that was a really good job to have. And I stayed in that job for about a year. And then I got a little bit too, I don't want to say bored, but everyone was very healthy and I was ready to move on to something more challenging. Right. Um, So that was my first year. And, you know, keep in mind, I was married, but I didn't have any kids yet. So I really, you know, had, I was able to make all my decisions about my work based on what I wanted out of my job, which is a lot different than how things look now that I have, you know, a family and kids and things. Um, So, so that was my first job. I love that. And, you know, it kind of, you know, your life shifts, right? And your goals shift and things like that. So going into more micro into the NP life, what does a day-to-day look like for an NP emergency medicine? Like, what does your day look like? Sure. So um, mostly 12-hour shifts. So um, before I went out and had my 
last baby, I was working part-time nights, um, and I split my time between the emergency department and the emergency observation unit. We covered both those floors. So um, basically, I would group my shifts together. I'd have two shifts per week, um, and I would you know, drive into work at 6 p.m. My shift would start at 7. We'd start with kind of a, we'd take sign out from the shift that was leaving, um, and then we'd kind of jump right in. If it was in the emergency department, that was a pretty busy time of day, 7 p.m. So it's, you know, mm-hmm. picking up the red patients on the board, which are the patients who have no provider assigned to them, kind of getting workup started. Um, and then in the observation unit, it was like doing all the admissions of the patients who are coming up from the ED, rounding on the Got patients it. who are already there, um, and just kind of doing that for mm-hmm. a good 12 and a half hours, signing out <laughs> in the morning to the next team. And, and then the next day comes. Yeah. Specifically going into the role, what sort of procedures do you do as an NP in the ED? What yeah. Were, you know. Um, so I worked in an academic medical center, level tw- level one trauma, um, which is great. We got a lot of high acuity patients, but we also had a very robust residency program. So there was always a lot of competition for the really uh, high acuity things. So yes. um, the advanced practice providers would do things like suturing, incision and drainage, orthopedic care, um, you know, eye procedures, eye staining that type of thing. Um, and then the higher acuity things like lumbar puncture, chest tubes, um, any trauma related, code related intubations, that type of thing. That was usually in the domain of the residents in the critical care bay. What's your favorite part? Like if you had to like say your favorite part of your role in the ED. <clears throat> so I really, um, I love doing procedures. I love suturing and uh, I love doing procedures when I have the time to do them. I don't like doing procedures under pressure and um, probably because I'm, you know, a bit of a perfectionist and I really like to be able to kind of focus on the task at hand. Um, But honestly, you know, in emergency medicine, I really, really love the human connection that comes out of being there for someone in a very vulnerable moment. Um, It's a very, it's a very like special, intimate connection that you get to have with people. Um, And sometimes it's, you know, reassuring people, oh, you know, don't worry, you're, you know, this isn't a heart attack, you're fine, and you get to go home. Um, And sometimes it's, you know, you came in for a really mundane complaint, and I'm giving you the worst news of your life. Um, And kind of navigating all of that in, in one 12 and a half hour shift, um, and kind of being able to go from scenario to scenario while still making sure that everyone feels like they are your top priority at that moment um, is a really um, special thing to navigate, I think. It's it's dynamic. On the other flip side of that coin, would you say that's part of the hardest part of being an NP? I mean, you're having to, you know, you're having to put on a lot of different hats, you know, in that one moment. What would you say is the hardest part for you? Um, Yeah, I'd say similar, you know, being able to maintain, um, you know, emotional stability during those types of things, not taking home that like secondary trauma type of thing. And sometimes, believe it or not, something that I really struggled with was um, even when you're literally saving someone's life, sometimes you can leave a shift feeling so defeated, like what you, what you do doesn't matter. And um, that I struggled with that a lot, feeling like, you know, there's not really a higher acuity place that I could work, but I still don't feel like I'm leaving 
a, any impact on the world, um, which I think is my own interpretation of the scenario. But still, I mean, there are feelings. I so f- Yeah, I feel like so many providers feel that way, to be honest. I think so many of us battle that where you just feel like, you know, what you're doing is just it's like micro compared to what needs to happen or, you know, it's sort of an uphill battle. And that is sort of the realness of, you know, coming into the healthcare field, you know, it's it's a beast. Healthcare is a beast. And um, I think we all really feel like we have those moments of like, what could I've done better? How could I have, you know, what didn't I do? Or, you know, I think we all struggle with that. And I think that's something that we're all kind of I think it's coming to the surface a little bit more. Um, but I agree with you 100%. I feel like that's just something we all we all deal with. Yeah, I think, you know, if we get so caught up in the day-to-day, like the minute-to-minute, hour-by-hour, because that's the nature of our job as nurses and as providers. You know, it's it's about moving that flow forward. And within our, you know, within our jobs, we don't get the opportunity enough to zoom out um, and really have that high level bird's eye view of, you know, overall, are we meeting our goals as individuals, as as a team? You know, there's really not that opportunity to really kind of create space for learning about ourselves. And um, I think that it's really easy to get kind of bogged down in the weeds when you're not doing that zooming out. Totally. Yeah. 100%. What would you say is a good, what does a good day look like for you? So a good day would be not crashing into my day, (laughs) you know, like having, (laughs) having the time to ease into, um, seeing patients, leaving on time, um, calling consults and having, having the energy that I put out, whether it's with my colleagues, with patients, or with um, consultants, having that energy be mirrored back. Because sometimes that's what can be so frustrating is, you know, showing up and and giving 100% to a patient who just is not appreciative or calling a consult because, you know, you really need this specialist's help with making your decisions um, and not being met with that same energy. That's what I always found to be very difficult because I'm someone who's, you know, so appreciative and so professional and um, we lean on others uh, in the team to make things happen. And when you put that out there and it doesn't come back to you and that can be really uh, frustrating professionally. So something that I love about you and I think is super awesome is this entrepreneur spirit that you have. And the main reason I want to bring you on here today, because what you are doing is so amazing. And I think it's such a gap in our, I I would say healthcare industry, not just nurses, but I would say healthcare. Um, So you've started this sort of niche of the world in resume building and sort of interview and landing your job and things like that. So how did this all sort of start? Hold on, wait, you guys need to hear this. You all know when it comes to scrubs, I like my style simple, sleek, with a statement, which is why I've been a Barco girl since day one. And to be honest, I've been much more of a Grey's Anatomy girl, right? I love the edge line, the active line, and the signature line. Those are definitely my go-tos, but my more recent, most favorite one is Motion by Barco. Let me just tell you about this. So this is really comfort that moves with you. This is a performance scrub. 
It's very thoughtfully designed and offers a two-way stretch that moves with you, not to mention the fact that it is insanely comfortable. It's wash and go. My favorite color right now is the navy, and let me just tell you about the collar because the detail is everything. It has these two little slits in the collar that just offer this little chic moment. I'm obsessed with it. Not to mention the fact that it has these orange touches sort of around the bottom trim, and it just gives that little pizzazz that I think that we all want, a little extra moment, you know, that just gives it that detailed tailored look. So this is definitely my most favorite pair right now. Barco Uniforms has been in business for 91 years. I am a proud partner with Barco Uniforms. Thank you so much, Barco, for your paid partnership, which helps allow me to produce this show. If you guys are interested in getting your hands on a pair, head over to www.barcouniforms.com forward slash stores to find a retailer near you. All right, you guys, let's get back to the show. So it started a couple years ago um, after I had gone part-time at work. I was kind of searching for something, like something to fill the time, something to earn some extra money, but I didn't want to leave home because I was home with, you know, two with twins. Um, so I was browsing a Facebook group uh, for nurse practitioners and someone had um, put in a post saying, hey, can someone show me what their resume looks like. I'm really struggling with putting this together. And so I, you know, popped a screenshot of mine and, um, got tons of comments and likes and replies. And I was like, wait a second, this is, this seems mm-hmm. to be, this seems to be something that other people struggle with, which, um, was surprising to me because it was, that's something that I've always just kind of been naturally inclined to do. So I didn't realize that other people struggled with it. And after that mm-hmm. one post, I like couldn't stop seeing these posts and requests for resume help and cover letter help and interview help and all these professional topics that I always felt like, like my coworkers, my classmates, like I was the person they would come to for that type of stuff. Like it was always like, Hey, Amanda, can you help me with my resume? Can you prep me for this interview? So it was something that always came naturally to me. Um, so basically I realized that there was a huge need for not just resume writers, but resume writers specifically for nurses and nurse practitioners. So that's how I started. I started doing a few, um, a few resumes for friends and colleagues and, I gathered some testimonials. I realized that I could do for other people what I was able to do for myself. And it just kind of grew and evolved from there. I love it. I feel like I've I've looked through your website. Your resumes are amazing. So how did you start this? I started off just writing resumes for other people. And as I was doing that, I was also designing them because I had seen some really cool resume designs that inspired me. And I thought, well, I should do, you know, I have an eye for this. I can, I can do this myself. So as I designed different resumes, I said, well, why don't I turn these into templates so that I can put them up on my website for people who don't necessarily need a resume writer and want to do it themselves. I can put some prompts in there and basically tell people what to write, where to write it. And then, you know, for a low cost, they can download it and do it themselves. So people started finding the resume templates and um, that turned into something like pretty big. People kept finding them. Yeah. They were really filling a void. You know, they were affordable. They solved this, you know, problem of 
needing to figure out how to lay out the resume, what to include. Um, so what ended up happening was I put a lot of effort into making that one of my main offerings because I only have so much time in the day. I can only write so many resumes for other people. And while I was able to raise my prices, I, I got to a point where I wasn't, I didn't want to raise my prices anymore. Um, so this was a way for me to, as, you know, from a business perspective to, scale the business to reach more people to make more money um, with something that had already been created, which were the right now I sell six resume template designs in okay. a bundle. Um, and it comes with, you know, a resume template, a cover letter template, a reference list template that all has a matching design. So you, it's literally just plug and play. Okay, so as far as products that you offer, what do you offer right now? Is it just the bundles or do you have other things that you're offering as well? Yeah, so I offer the bundle of the resume templates. Um, and then I have a few different training programs. I have a training program called Weekend Resume Makeover, which is essentially me screen, um, it's like screen share videos of me teaching you my exact process for how to write a resume. Um, so that's for someone who needs a little bit more guidance than just a template. And then I have two programs, one for nurses, one for nurse practitioners that are essentially, let's call them commencement to contract type programs where I teach you how to look for the job, how to apply for the job, how to interview for the job, kind of that whole step-by-step -step process to fill in that gap, whether you are employed and looking for a new job, or if you are a new graduate, I take you through that whole entire process of how to find the right job for you and then apply for it and get it. I personally feel like in the medical field, we are just not good with self-promotion, right? Like we're basically taught to, you know, it's all about the medicine. It's all about the, the studying and the learning and you put your head down and you do your work and, you know, you're a learner, you're all these things and you're educated. But I feel like that is a huge area that we very much lack. Can you speak to that a little bit about, you know, that healthcare dynamic? Yeah, absolutely. I, I totally agree with you. And I think part of it is that we are kind of taught to fit a particular role. You know, like you go to school and you become a nurse. You take an exam. You know, everyone takes the same exam. You essentially earn the same credentials after your name. And we're kind of taught and groomed to be this kind of one archetype of a person to fill this one role. So the question is, how do you stand out? We're not taught to really be individuals in a sense, yeah. you know, during our training, um, which makes it really difficult when you need to stand out from someone else who has the same letters after their name. Um, so I think that eventually once you kind of get working and you get a lot more experience, if you are the type of person who has sought out different opportunities and you're interested in becoming, you know, more of a specialty or subject matter expert, then that becomes really easy. But if you are someone who really loves being a generalist um, and, and being able to fit in a lot of different roles, then it can actually make it more difficult for you to stand out, at least in that pre-interview phase, you know, that phase where you are applying for a job, but you don't necessarily have a wow factor to say, like, this is why you should call me for an interview as opposed to, you know, the other resume you received. Yeah, I would say I feel like the whole resume and interviewing process is such a skill. 
and it's Definitely. hard to learn. It's hard to learn. It's, it's, you know, you have to be able to be, you know, stand in front of someone and confidently say, this is what you feel you present. And it's, it's a weird, it's a muscle that we have to exercise and we're not good at that. I totally agree with you. And you're, you're spot on that. It's something that we need to exercise and we need to practice. Um, and, you know, same thing with negotiating and asking for more money and asking for what we are, what we believe we are worth. That is really, really difficult for a lot of us. And I don't know if part of it is, you know, we are a, a female dominated field. And I think that, you know, women tend to have a harder time advocating oh, yes. for what we need. Um, so I think that that plays a factor as well. Yeah. 100%. I will say too, it's interesting, like you brought that up, and I wasn't even thinking about that. But you know, negotiating your pay, that's a really, it's a big one. But that's, it's awkward. But it's definitely something that people, you know, that's something that you should do. And that's something that's, you know, exercise that muscle. Yeah, it gets easier. It, it gets easier. It doesn't get easy, I don't think, but it gets easier the more that you do it. Who would you say um, is your audience for your products? Who are you really trying to hit? Yeah, so uh, I actually have two audiences, two segments of my audience. Um, one would be nurses who are new to the field or job changing, I guess. Basically, nurses who struggle to figure out where their place is in the nursing world, in the in their career. Um, and then my other audience is nurse practitioner students who are getting ready to transition to practice. And, you know, over the past year, I've really struggled with how to make sure that I'm meeting the needs of both those audiences, because I started off as a very kind of all-encompassing, serving all medical professionals, actually. And then mm -hmm. I niched down to just nurses. And over the past six months, especially as I've developed a course specifically for nurse practitioners, and I am a nurse practitioner myself, um, yeah. I've wanted to kind of curate some of my messaging and some of my content specifically for that audience without excluding nurses from it. So I'm trying to bring kind of higher level topics and serve um, both audiences in different ways, which is why sometimes you'll see a difference in my products. Like I have a free training class specifically for nurses and I have a different one for nurse practitioners because I think that the two audiences need to hear different messages because we're working in different environments and going through different professional um, journeys. So um, that's the reason for that. You know, at the end of the day, it's all nursing, but there, I would say, I and I agree with you, there's some very different aspects of each role. So that's really cool. And I, you know, again, I just, your products are amazing. And I know you have used, obviously, your social media to sort of, you know, start promotion. And, you know, I've obviously known about you for a long time now. I've, you were one of the first nurses that I actually discovered here in the social space. How did this all the social media start? Let's talk about, you know, that aspect of it. Sure. So I knew when I was starting this business that the people that I wanted to reach were on Instagram um, as opposed to Facebook. Not that they're not on Facebook, but they hung out on Instagram. I knew that there was this kind of 
cool nurse community on Instagram. And it's a dynamic. Yeah. <laughs> it's and definitely I, a different dynamic. <laughs> yeah. And I wanted to be like right in the middle of it. And, um, you know, the, the funny, I don't know if it's a funny story, but the story is that I actually out of the blue, this was at the very beginning, I had maybe less than a thousand followers. Um, Katie Duke reached out to me, the Katie Duke. She Love said, her. <laughs> I know, right? She sent Love me, you, Katie. <laughs> she sent me a DM and said, yeah. uh, Hey, I just found your account. I heard about you through someone else who had kind of shared my stuff. Can I hire you to write my resume? And I said, I'll do you one better. I said, I will do your resume for free. Would you be willing to do a social media promotion for me? Oh, hey, what's up strategy? Yes. Look so, at you go, girl. I love that. I'm not sure where I got like <laughs> the guts to do that. But um, so yeah, so that's what I negotiated with her. I was like, I'm not going to take your money, but can you please work with me on this? So, so she, um, she, so I wrote her resume. She recorded a beautiful testimonial for me. And it was just at the time that I was like writing my very first blog post, launching my very first like email opt-in so that I could start to email my list regularly and really give the good stuff. Cause that's where I give my best content is in my emails. And, um, and so she shared it for me. We had a date and we kind of had this miniature launch and, you know, overnight I got 600 followers, which was just like so amazing. And those moments are so exciting, isn't it? It was it's cool. It was really exciting. And I'm not about the vanity metrics at all, no. but the yeah. fact that I was able, it really helped kickstart the, my community. Um, and more importantly, you know, that my relationship with Katie has really been a strong, true, genuine friendship from the very beginning. So what I realized from that, just that one interaction was, this is what's important on this platform. So I've always made it a point to be authentic and reach out to people who seem interesting to me, not with any ulterior motive, um, but to really just kind of come together and provide value across this platform. Um, And it's really evolved into a lot of, I have a lot of amazing, beautiful friendships that I have made on Instagram. Like some of my my closest friends who I like voice text daily are all nurses in this space, which is amazing. It's so crazy to me because you and I have such a similar story. Um, And this is maybe a plug to Katie because so Katie actually behind the scenes has been a big mentor for me as well. And it's funny because I feel the same that you did. I feel like she kind of actually led the way um, as far as kind of setting the standard of what we expect in our social media and what we want out of Mm -hmm. it. Right. And she uh, there was a couple times I needed her for certain things and I reached out to her. And not only that, we got on a phone call. She helped me through a, a couple things. And it's interesting because we we have this great friendship. But I will say this. I do feel like since then, for me, it's been important to give back to my people and it's and my community. And I feel like very similar to you, Amanda, where it's like we I want to create this amazing community where for you're giving back or you're able to touch people in a different way. And I love the hustler in you because that is exactly, I will say, like in my own little world of social media, I've done so many things to, you know, work with someone I wanted to work with. Or, you know, you go, you went above and beyond, right? You did something for free and you knew what your cause was. And I, I love that, you know, and I think that's a big message maybe to upcomers is like, you know, when you're putting in the time and you're putting in the hours and when you're trying to do something and 
you know, it's a hustle. It's a hustle. Like this is a total fun, different kind of side of the healthcare. And I think it's so cool. It's cutting edge. I'm here for it. Definitely. Yeah. I'm, I agree with you hundred percent. And, you know, I really, at the end of the day, I want people to interact with me on social media or on, you know, my platforms. And, you know, I want them to feel like I am their, you know, big sister slash cheerleader slash mentor. Um, this, this also is a business for me. You know, this is the source of, you know, how I provide for my family, but I want that to be kind of a convenient byproduct. You know, I don't want anyone to ever think that I'm just, you know, pushing products on them. Uh, and actually it's, you know, it's been a really great journey because I've gotten to the point where I really feel, you know, people are thanking me for making the things that I have available to them. You know, people are thanking me for giving them the opportunity to pay me for my product or service. And that's just, I couldn't imagine anything better, you know, because, you know, I love giving away content for free. And if you need more than what's free, you know, there's something there for you. So absolutely. Yeah, that's I mean, that's and you're shifting, you're shifting to what your audience needs. And I think that's a really big thing. You know, on my, you know, similarly, I guess on my end was when I first started doing um, the NICU blogging, I was so overwhelmed by the amount of questions coming from because I think for whatever reason in the NICU world, you know, people didn't understand the dynamics of how to become a NICU nurse. And, you know, there was this crazy list of questions that I kept getting over and over and over, which started the blog. And I think it's interesting because you out of need created this thing and you're helping people. And I feel the same where I'm like, you know, I really found this need and this little niche world, a part of the world where people really wanted it. There was value there. And that's kind of the cool thing about what I love is happening in healthcare is that that's happening more and more. You know, there's these podcasts popping up, these um, Instagrams where you're providing education and true resources for people. And you know, I personally love the lifestyle as well, but it's really fun to be able to create your own thing and be your own boss in some definitely, way. Definitely, definitely. And, you know, we talked earlier about, you know, not having like kind of being the same as everyone, like as nurses, like, are we being trained to be this kind of one archetype role? And, you know, to spin off of that, I feel like something that's really difficult about being in healthcare is the lack of opportunity to express your creativity. And I think that if you are an innately creative person, which I know you are, and I am too, you you know, Mm -hmm. we, there are very limited opportunities in the actual business of healthcare to really exercise that creative muscle. So I think that is why all these kind of alternative platforms pop up. And, Mm -hmm. but what a gift, like what a gift to, ourselves, what a gift to our learning, what a gift to like the impact. And if, you know, I feel more impact on the world now helping other nurses get their dream career so that they can help all the patients of the world than I got, you know, working in the emergency department, which is kind of a weird thing to say, but it's, it's I actually true. agree with you. It's kind of crazy because even, um, I mean, between the podcast and Instagram, I feel like the reach, it, you know, and being able to touch people in a different way is so reward. It is so genuinely rewarding to be able to explain what it, what you do and why you're doing it and curating this little business. It's amazing. I mean, I'm thinking in my head of like, you know, you have Kat Golden. She's doing, you know, nurses inspire yes. nurses. You have Lacey who's mentoring you have 
Katie, who's a speaker. She's a podcaster. She's a huge, you know, huge influence on. I think we just have all these amazing people really popping up in the specifically nursing world. And it is also happening in the medical world, which I love as well. There's some really awesome medical and PPA, you know, it's just a really cool time that we're in. And it's ironic because I actually feel like so many of the people that I actually discovered were during COVID. (laughs) It's like really weird because I, you know, now so many people that I've found during that time, but it's, you know, if there's one little piece out of that time that I really am thankful for, it's the medical community kind of coming together. Um, I mean, I know I've been following you forever, but it's just interesting because I feel like now we're getting really innovative and we're Definitely. getting, you know, I think it's time. It's time for us to kind of all come up with the times and what you're doing essentially is teaching us how to market ourselves. Mm-hmm. It's important. Absolutely. So what do you feel like for you is the best part worst part of your social media? So I would say that the best part is probably like being able to reach so many people, being able to like get into DMs and, um, you know, just know that I am helping people. Like sometimes I'll have a DM exchange of a question of how they should word an email or something. And then I'll get a message back three days later saying that they successfully negotiated their salary up Fifteen thousand dollars or something. Yes. Like, this is wild. Like, 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 yes, uh, it's just, I just feel like that one of my most popular used emoji is like that little guy with the party hat on who's like blowing a celebration horn because I'm just like always <laughs> celebrating people in my DMs. That's great. So that Aww. is that is awesome. Um, cool. I would say like I I struggle a little bit and I'm getting better at it recently, but I struggle with feeling like I need to maintain a professional persona on my Instagram. So like sometimes I'm afraid to show my face or show up like how I am in real life because my real life, like in my house, like there's at least one (laughs) child screaming, like I'm probably covered with a bodily fluid. (laughs) It's it's like very similar to how it would be like on the floor at work. Um, And also like I was initially really afraid to be quote unquote political um, because I feel like we we, you know, when we're bridging this kind of like healthcare provider on social media space, we're taught to be careful, like be careful what you post on social media, make sure you're not representing your employer, you know, all that type of stuff. But what I've realized is that like, I, if in order for me, in order for this to be like my genuine, true platform, I need to be 100% myself and authentic. And that means, you know, showing up for difficult conversations and making it really clear, you know, what I stand for 100% of the time and not just like on or off Instagram and like getting more vulnerable and authentic, um, and having, you know, polarize, giving polarizing opinions and sparking discussion. Uh, because I think that's, that's where the magic happens really. And if I shy away from that, then I don't know, I'm not being true to myself. I feel like we have had this, um, you know, persona of we're like the perfect little princesses, you know, and for all the nurses out there, males, I'm, I'm, yes, (laughs) what I'm getting at is we have to be this perfect persona of, you know, the Florence Nightingale, we have to be this perfect person. And, you know, it's interesting, because I feel like I love the dynamic parts, you know, I've, and I agree with you, it's a weird transition going from, you know, 
putting in the nurse persona and trying to be very professional. And then on my end, you know, I'm trying to do a little bit more of the lifestyle. I love that. I love that part. And that's, I'm here for that. But it is, it's a weird transition to be able to like, open up to people yeah. and be like, I'm not this perfect person, right. but this is what I'm doing to make it better. Or, you know, there's there's a dynamic. I mean, I've opened up about some of my anxiety that I struggle with. You know, it's not all perfect. Um, and I'm sure for you as a businesswoman, there's a lot of different dynamics on the back end that people don't see. The amount of hours that you do, it's hard. It is hard to be an entrepreneur in this space because we legitimately do not have a workbook. We don't have the, (laughs) we don't, we don't have the nurses entrepreneur 101 for dummies. Like we don't have that. So a lot of us are really putting in the work on the back end to understand business and nursing and dynamics and how to become professional and be a parent and be all these things. It's, it's such an interesting time. And I'm really, you're really leading the way in an area that I feel like so many people need. So, I mean, I'm just really thankful for people like you who are wanting to do that. And um, it is, it's a totally new territory. Yeah. And, you know, know, something that I'm trying to talk about more is kind of what it means to be a mother in this career. You know, I feel like for the most part, the majority of nurses, the majority of women nurses become nurses before that they become moms. For the yes. most part, for the most part, for the right? Most part. Yeah. Um, and I feel like there, at least for me and the other nurse moms I've spoken with, like there's a big shift that happens, and there's a big there's a big identity shift that happens when anyone becomes a parent. 100%. And I feel like that's not really a conversation that's being had a lot. And sometimes I try to you know shy away from it. Like, why would people want to know what I'm struggling with? You know, as a mom and a working person, or do people yeah. really want to see like pictures? of my kids and you know this is a professional Instagram profile they want to know how to write their resume bullet points they don't want to see (laughs) they don't want to see pictures of my kids but then when I share that more like vulnerable content and topics and ideas like oh man I get so many responses and so what I'm realizing is like the things that really keep me up at night and I think about all the time are the same things that everyone else is thinking all the time and the other fears, you know, fears and frustrations. So like, I need to, I need to say them out loud. I need to validate what other people are experiencing because that's kind of my responsibility with my sphere of influence. I feel that very much. I feel like so many, you know, I mean, a perfect example on just what you said is I personally love looking to people such as like you and maybe even nurse Liz where you're opening up, you kind of open up a little piece of your life and explain like, this is how I'm balancing it. Mm -hmm. And this is the reality. And I love that. Um, Another person who's doing that is Dr. Cedric. He's amazing. And he opens up about his life with his wife and his kids. And I think that's so cool. I feel like, um, you know, it makes it more relatable, understandable. It makes it more, I don't know. I just think that people in general really appreciate that. I know I, I'm drawn to the lifestyle. I love lifestyle. And I love that there's a little piece where we can kind of marry the business with the lifestyle and be mm-hmm. like, okay, this is, this is what it's really like, you know? And I, I really enjoy the raw moments. You know, I've looked, I've seen some really great posts lately from providers who are going through XYZ, especially during COVID. And I'm sure there's so much that 
people are struggling through right now, period. But opening up about that and being real about whatever you go through, um, you know, we're kind of talking a little bit more and I have more and more providers who are coming on and we're Hmm. talking about this where it's like, we're all going through similar stuff. And that's okay. And you can be a professional. You can be a professional. You can run a business. You can do all these things and still have real life struggles. So for you, what is, let's go micro into your life right now. Like what is, a? I know, okay, quarantine or, you know, COVID (laughs) has ruined everybody's life, right? But what is a week to, what does it look like for you now? Um, So I'm kind of a day-to-day person. So on any given day, I wake up usually between 5.30 and 6.00. Um, my 10 month old wakes up shortly thereafter. Um, (laughs) and my husband and I have kind of, we're both technically working from home. So we kind of set up a schedule. So there are a few days a week where I get to do my work blocks in the morning. So I wake up at six, I make my coffee, I go down to the basement and I work on my computer until... 9.30 or so. And so my husband gets all three kids up. He feeds them all breakfast, puts the baby down for her first nap before I even come upstairs. And I'll come upstairs like showered with all my work tasks done. And for the most part, unless I'm doing like interviews or videos at night, um, I'm done for the day. So like that is my that is my work day, 6 a.m. to 9.30 a.m., and that's it. Um, and so the rest of the day is really mom mode for me. Um, so I'm feeding the kids. We're going out for walks. We're doing crafts. We made homemade Play-Doh today um, yeah. because everybody's home. No one's in school. No one's at camp. We yeah. have no babysitters. We have no family nearby. So it's <laughs> basically, you know, the mom and dad show all day. Solo superwoman over yes. here. <laughs> um, we we do get a meal kit delivery service three or four nights a week. So I'm a big fan of that. Me too. And you know what? I make so many decisions all freaking day long that I just need a few nights a week where I don't have to decide what I'm making for dinner. I don't have to think about it. It's all laid out. I don't care that it takes 45 minutes. I am, you know, putting together a delicious meal and it, you know, we don't have to eat out. We're not ordering takeout. It's just done. Um, Same. So that, that was like a quarantine treat (laughs) that we started. (laughs) Like we started it in March and I'm not sure that I will ever go back because it's really like saved some of my sanity. But, um, I do a lot of multitasking. So like during the day, um, like if the baby's napping, the girls will have, the older girls will have some technology time and I'll like listen to a podcast or answer some emails from my phone or, fold the laundry, do all like the housekeeping stuff. And then, um, the kids are all to bed by eight o'clock. So after eight o'clock, some nights I'll schedule, um, like podcast interviews or kind of nighttime work. But for the most part, that's my wind down time. So, you know, my husband and I will watch TV, we'll watch Netflix. I'll read a book. I'll, you know, work through some sort of, you know, educational program or course that I'm working on for myself. So it's usually either like, husband and me time or personal development relaxation time and then that's that's pretty much it kind of spinning off of that so as speaking as a future mom yeah hopefully we'll see one day (laughs) how do you balance it all I mean how do you do you feel like there's like what's what's your biggest secret like let's hear your (laughs) how do you do this all because it's a lot Yeah, I would say, you know, it really helps that I have a supportive spouse. Um, So we build in time for me to be exclusively focused on my business. And honestly, it's at most three hours a day. Um, So it's either 
early morning, late at night, or sometimes he'll take a break in the middle of the day and I can work. Um, so because of that, because I only get these like focused chunks of small, you know, bits of time, I make a lot of lists. I have a lot of productivity, you know, tricks that I use and I have a team. I have, you know, four different part-time contractors, a few of whom are nurses who work for the Resume RX. They work for me. Awesome. Um, and I love that because it really gives me the opportunity to be the visionary of the business, you know, but I don't necessarily have to do all the implementation of the things that have to happen. And it also means that, you know, I can, I can pay another person. Yeah, I can pay another woman. Good. I can pay another mom. Um, and that feels really good to be able to contribute to not only my family's success, but someone else's success. So, um, yeah, early mornings, supportive husband, to-do lists and lots of coffee. Those are like yeah. the things that get it done. <laughs> oh, uh, coffee. Coffee is my number one. <laughs> I feel like also, I feel like you, the delegating, I just moved into that space of being able to kind of not a team. I have I have my brother-in-law who's helping me with the podcast and then I do have someone who helps me on the back end. She manages a lot with the emails and it is it's you have to have help to some degree, you know, and I think that's awesome to be able to feel like you're empowering other people in that space. Definitely. It's really cool. But it's been a challenge because I don't feel like I feel like we learn in nursing school and in NP school, how to be good leaders, how to advocate for patients. Um, but learning how to be, you know, quote unquote, a CEO, this is all new totally. territory. You know, how did, how to delegate, how to be assertive, how to bring teams together and say, I need help with this is really yeah. hard for me. And I don't know if it's because of my nurse grooming or if it's just my personality type, but I've really had to practice saying like, I can't do all this by myself. Totally. Speaking to your future healthcare providers, what is the biggest piece of advice or three tips you can give to all of our future providers out yeah. there? So I would say the first tip is to always be working on yourself, um, like taking time for personal de development, whether that's reading a book for pleasure, whether that's reading an actual personal development book, whether it's meditation, whether it's journaling, all these really good kind of self-care practices, I think are essential. And it took me way too long in my life to start doing them. <laughs> so that would be <laughs> number one. If I could go back, I would make a lot more space for that. Um, and then the second thing would be to be present for the moments that matter. I personally, because I came from such kind of a high achieving background, I was always focused on what's next, what's next. All right, I'll graduate and then I'll go do this and then I'll achieve this and totally. then I'll pass this and then I'll get this job. And I feel like I didn't learn how to be present and in the moment to the point where I have to be really mindful about it. You know, especially as a mom, when I'm with my kids, I need to be very intentional about, okay, Amanda, this is your time to focus on your children. Like put your mm -hmm. phone away. This isn't your time to multitask. That's not something to be proud of, you know, be present for what matters. Um, and then the third thing is more of a, you know, in the healthcare world, um, I like to encourage people not to forget that nursing feeling is what I call it. Um, it's kind of like that feeling of wonder that you got when you did your first clinical in nursing school, like a little bit of terror, but mostly wonder, I hope. Um, but it's, <laughs> it's that feeling that really inspired you and reminds you how much you love 
being of service to people. And I think that if you never forget kind of that feeling and why you started and why you have even gotten to this point, it makes it a little bit easier not to get burnt out and not to get jaded. Pace yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Pay attention to those things. I think that's really good. Well, spinning off of that, what roadblocks do you see in the medical lifestyle and how do you combat those? Yeah. Um, so I definitely think, first of all, I don't, I actually hate how our worth in healthcare is directly correlated with our productivity. Um, and, and that's more evident for people who work um, as healthcare providers, where your literal worth, like what your value is to an organization, is quite literally defined by how productive you are, how many patients you see, like they, your, your numbers, you're a revenue generating person. And while that opens up some doors for your earning potential and, you know, that conversation of negotiation and salaries and all that, you know, it means that you can have some negotiating power to make more money. I feel like it gives us this wrong message of how worthy you are as a provider, which then can be internalized as how worthy you are as a person is directly tied to how productive you are. And I think that that is a really dangerous message um, to internalize. So basically saying I can take on way more than I need to emotionally chew. I I agree with that 100%. I feel like being able to say I can take take on 25 patients a day when, you know, it's I, I... one, and, you know, to that degree, I also feel like there's this little push now in, I would say, also at the bedside to, you know, get that certification to do this, to go back to school, to attend this class, to do, you know, and I understand there's this like, you know, in healthcare, we should be pushing ourselves to be better. But it's also, I agree, it's like your worth is starting to become more and more and more and more, you know, recognizing yourself what it is you really want. And, you know, sort of going for the things that you really find value in. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and remembering that your worth as a person is totally separate from all of that. You know, you just by just by being here, just by being a person, you are worthy. You are worthy of love and success and abundance and all these great things. And like remembering to tell yourself that and not letting those kind of work and professional definitions of worth permeate that identity nursing is what you do not who you are yes exactly exactly so um i i love asking this question to this is a question that i pose to pretty much everyone so i feel like diving into this social media route it's it's pretty taboo right like doing self-promotion and and doing all these things and i don't know it's just very taboo what are your thoughts on this I, th- I think that it's mostly great. You know, like we talked about earlier, I think that it's really giving people who have this innate creativity the opportunity to be creative and be kind of present in this space. Um, but it's interesting because, you know, we all know that what you do in your life can absolutely affect your professional life and reflect upon your employer. And in some cases, it 100% should, you know, you know, illicit substance use is, you know, can warrant you losing your job and losing your license. And those things are, you know, rightfully so if you have a out, uh, you know, a public blatant racist remark, you can and will and should 
lose your job on the spot. Like, I don't know if you've seen that on 100%. social media lately, but yes. there's, you know, <laughs> there's a few of them. Yeah. And, and, you know, and I, I'm, I'm here for that. You know, if you, yeah, I agree. If, I agree. if you are doing any of that behavior, you should absolutely be held accountable by, by your employer. Um, but it's definitely interesting because it, you, you have to kind of navigate what your social media space is and will be. And would you be comfortable if a patient, while they were your patient, found you on social media and held up their phone to you and said, Hey, is this you? <laughs> you know, I, I feel like that may has may have happened to some people. I, I feel like I know someone who that's happened to, like in terms of a, a TikTok profile. Um, and, and there's no, I don't know if there's a right or wrong answer for this, but you have to decide this for yourself. Like, how, are you, are you cool with that? I feel like it's a, it's a definite balance, right? I feel like it's that it's the same level of like being professional, but also being relatable. But yeah, I think that's a a great, great point, you know, being able to, you know, I've shifted a lot of my, my personal blogging and my Instagram to doing it a certain way, you know, and I think you, you just have to kind of be smart about it. How are you teaching? How are you, how are you being perceived and, you know, being your true authentic self and growing something for yourself, but also being a professional uh, healthcare provider. It's a balance. It's definitely a balance. And I think there's different ways to do it. You know, I agree. And there's something that I didn't think about until last year, actually, uh, is the safety component too. I actually had an incident where I was taking care of a patient overnight who expressed some suicidal thoughts. And I ended up, you know, having to do a lot of kind of de-escalation and I was in the room a lot, let's just put it that way. And, um, that individual ended up seeing my badge, Googling my name, finding me on multiple different platforms and, um, kind of the next, after they had been discharged, I got messages. I got messages on Facebook, like to my private profile. I got messages to my public page inbox. I got messages on Instagram. I got messages to my email address and I, I freaked out. Um, and I, I I really went through and then kind of, used some discretion and decided, okay, what, what is okay to be public information? Not because of fear of losing my job, because I knew that, you know, everything that I was doing was compliant with whatever social media policy, but you know, I don't want people, your own personal, yeah, yeah. you know, because mm-hmm. it's not just about me when people find my information online, you know, I don't want anyone showing up at my house, you know, totally. So, um, that was an interesting eye opening situation to, to navigate. And, you know, I ultimately, made some changes with how my personal information shows up. And um, yeah, I think that's a really interesting aspect. Um, And that's something that I had to shift to as well. I had one situation where it wasn't a patient, but it was um, a borderline, I would say online stalker. (laughs) And, um, you know, I, I had prior to that, you know, implemented a couple things, you know, my personal address is never given out. You know, I have things shipped to a PO box. I'm smart about, I don't, I don't talk about my employer. Like, I mean, I, you know, there's certain things that I do in my life that I'm like, you know, we're just going to let that be, but it's shifting. You learn what you're okay with and what you're not. And I think that's an important piece of it. So kind of going along those lines, social media, I, I feel like, and I've posed this to a lot of 
um, people as well takes a lot of energy. Mm -hmm. So how do you shut off? Like, what is your, what are your tactics? I should be better about that. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, I, I, yeah, I, I probably spend too much time on Instagram. First of all, um, I do, my phone goes on, do not disturb at, you know, 9 PM. So 9 PM to 7 AM, like I don't get notifications unless I actively check them. And the other profiles and the other places that I show up, like Facebook and LinkedIn or whatever, um, I have pretty good boundaries in those areas. So um, those are areas where I have a lot of help from my team. So I have an assistant who will repurpose some of my content on that platform. And it means that I don't have to be kind of as available there. Or I have an autoresponder on Facebook messages that tells people to email rather than, you know, sending to the inbox. So I've tried to create boundaries there. Um, Instagram is a little bit different because I feel like, I don't know, I feel like that's where I always am. Like that's where I want to be. Um, Same. So I've gotten... I've actually gotten better even if I see a message that's kind of outside of quote unquote business hours, um, I will defer it to the next day because I don't, you know, I want to make sure that I'm keeping boundaries for myself, but also not training my audience to think that I'm on demand all the time and available all the time. While I love to engage with my audience, you know, I still need to make sure that I am setting healthy boundaries so that, you know, I don't my space doesn't get taken advantage of if that makes sense. It's difficult to navigate because this is I 100% agree. You know, like back yeah. to being present. Like I need to be present with my family, with my kids, with my spouse, and what that means sometimes is that I need to say, "Okay, I'm done with DMs today. I'll pick it up tomorrow." I 100% agree. I think that's a huge aspect for me that I've had to get used to as well is I think I was so available, honestly, for the first probably year and a half, I was every single DM I was in there, I was answering questions, I was doing all these things. And then, you know, I, I agree, you have to have a boundary, you have to have, you know, it's a lot of energy to exchange with people. And, you know, a lot of the times the questions that are asked um, are complex and they Mm -hmm. require a lot of explaining for you to be like, this is, you know, so for me, that's partly, I I agree with you. You have to, I want to be able to to show up 100% for my people. So sometimes I do defer my DMs as well. And I'll be like, I'm going to answer this, you know, at another time when I'm mentally 100% there and, or when I have a resource to give you that's better or whatever it may be. So I agree. And I do think it's partly finding those boundaries in your life. Um, you know, and healthy consumption of content, I think is another thing that I I think has been a big one for me is, you know, if things are turning me one way, I just need to shift and not not consume it. Yeah. And I think that's important as well. Can you what are three tangible tips you can leave for our listeners on preparing for maybe the job application process? Mm. So I would make sure that you've checked all your, so this goes back to social media, check all your social media profiles and make sure that what you want to be private is actually private. Um, So I would kind of lock down your Facebook profile, make your Instagram profile um, private. That would be number one. Number two would be to create a public LinkedIn profile. I think that we underutilize LinkedIn. It's an amazing, amazing platform that can help you kind of 
interface yep. with really big decision makers and can potentially help you get a job. So that would be um, number two. And then number three is make sure your resume has a facelift. Make sure it looks good. Spell yes. check. No errors. Shameless plug. Shameless, Shameless plug. plug. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely go see Amanda. Love that. Actually, it's funny you bring up number two for the LinkedIn. Um, I actually heard this on another podcast as LinkedIn is low key the most undercover, underutilized platform used by all influencers. Because when you type in someone's name, the top five, LinkedIn will show up top five of almost every single person, which I did not realize when you type in a name, LinkedIn shows up. Yes. Which is interesting. So I would have 100% agree with that. Spruce that LinkedIn up. Mm-hmm. to the max. Yes, for sure. And, you know, LinkedIn, it shows up in search engines, like you said, but it also is a search engine. So you can very mm-hmm. easily put in, you know, define who you are, what you do in like your headline and stuff. And if people want to find a NICU nurse in, you know, whatever mm-hmm. city, you can type that in the search bar. And if you are a profile that's, you know, nice and well done and optimized, you're going to show up in, in the search. Yep. And, you you know, they can literally find exactly who they want. Say we're just dropping tips like no one's business today. (laughs) All right. So do you have anything exciting coming up for the audience that you want to highlight or shout out? Yes, Mm. I would love to shout out my new podcast. Woo! Yes, Yes, queen! So it is called the Nurse Becoming Podcast. And it is a place where we are going to have similar conversations like this. Um, Conversations that kind of bridge the professional, personal life and talk about that in between that you don't hear talked about too often. So lots of personal and professional growth through the lens of nursing. So um, it launches on July 7th. So if you're listening in real time, it will probably be coming your way soon. Exciting. Congratulations. Thank you. I can't wait. I'm I'm super excited. excited. I feel like this is like such a fun realm. And I feel like this is like the, the market that you know, the tapped market, we need to get into this. This is where the nurses, you know, this is where people want medical field. I think it's just going to be a really great, great space for you. Totally. Thank you. So before we leave, do you have a resource, a podcast, a Netflix, a book to leave with our audience before we go? Hmm. A good tangible takeaway. I, well, I've been really loving this new documentary on Netflix called Lennox Hill. (gasps) Oh my God. Literally, it's so funny you bring that up. We literally were watching that last night and I love it. Yes, we're on episode three. Oh um, my God, I'm obsessed. But it's yeah, so good. It's, it's really it's really fantastic. So I highly recommend it. It's a great docuseries about four physicians in New York City at Lenox Hill Hospital. And um, yeah, I'm not obviously affiliated with it in any way, but no, if you are a medical so person, good. you know, I yeah. love, I love the docu-series. The other one that I really loved was, and I watched this before March was Pandemic um, yeah, on Netflix. So that's, that's a good one. So that one was a really good one as well. Um, that's really funny. We were watching that and I was like, this is such a cool concept. And I'm really happy that Netflix is going in that, and you know, that organization was happy to share because I'm like we need more of that we need more relatable things for people to see especially you know during the COVID pandemic I feel like people were really wanting to see those things and wanting to understand the dynamics and you know understand what it is that we're seeing because you know it's it's we have this curtain 
We have this mm-hmm. big curtain yes. in healthcare. And I think it's important to unveil the curtain. Let's show people. Let's explain it. And I think that your platform, your your resumes, your new podcast, this podcast, I think that's what we people are really want. And I'm really excited to have you on and yeah. as a part of that. So thank you. Thank you so much, Amanda, for coming on today. My pleasure, Tori. Thank you. Thank you so much, Amanda, for coming on today. I know how invaluable everything that you just brought today for me was. And if you guys want to let Amanda know, I know she would love to hear you over on her Insta at the resume rx let her know what you thought about the show a tip or something that you learned from her today i know she would love to hear from you and guess what amanda is really spoiling us over here so she has very kindly offered to give all of the selfie podcast listeners 20 percent off of all of her digital products that includes templates and courses you guys so if you use code selfie c-e-l-l-f-i-e at checkout you're going to get 20 percent off. We're going to link everything below for you. She's at the resumerx.com forward slash shop. So head over to her website, check it out, see what fits for you. You guys, I guarantee you, you're going to find something that's going to really help you give a leg up, brand yourself, give yourself that spruce up that you really need. And a huge thank you to you guys per usual. I am just so thankful for every single listener here. I really appreciate all of your feedback. Thank you for all the rates and the reviews. And if you guys haven't heard yet, we are doing some selfie swag. So if you leave a review on iTunes for us and leave your Insta handle in the review, we will slip into your DMs and send you a super cute selfie badge reel featuring Selena, our selfie icon, and some super cute stickers to go with it. Make sure to hit that subscribe button. All of our episodes are featured on our website, www.tipsfromtory.com. And per usual, you guys, make sure to check out those show notes. Lots of information about our guests and our sponsors as well. And thank you so much for listening, you guys. Catch you next time. What if I told you that you can support your blood pressure and healthy CoQ10 levels with two chews a day? The new Super Beats Heart Chews Advanced is now supercharged with CoQ10. That's like getting CoQ10 for free. Our powerful blend of beetroot, grapeseed extract, and CoQ10 supports your cardiovascular health. Visit RadioBeats.com and find out how you can get a free 30-day supply on bundles and save 15% with the promo code DEAL.